You're listening to the Philly Young Adults Podcast. Welcome back to the Philly Young Adults Podcast. That was the best intro you ever did. <laughs> yeah, I had to. I just wanted to. Finale of season three, yes. I wanted to really drive it home. You did it. Here you are listening to the Philly Young Adults Podcast. <laughs> we are wrapping up season three today, and it's a season on maturity. I think it's went well so far. I feel, I feel like the recordings mature. were good. Yeah, I feel better. Mm-hmm. I think I've grown up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I definitely was more immature when we started, and I, <laughs> I've gotten a lot better since I've been talking through it with you. I guess like, we're going to drop the ball in this last episode. Yeah, now I'm going <laughs> to... So... <laughs> Maturity today, our topic is how to be mature or what kind of maturity is required when we promote Christ's kingdom. And true to form, like last week, we came up with four things that we think you can find and safely discuss as mature qualities of promoting Christ's kingdom. We challenge you to go find more and do the study by yourself. It's probably going to be super edifying. But for today, we have four and we're going to start with Brian on number one. Yeah, just like we ended with last episode, it's a great question to ask yourself. How could I mature in this aspect of the Christian life, promoting Christ's kingdom? Often, I think we rightly think in terms of just, we say things like sharing the gospel, talking about Jesus, preaching the gospel, telling people the good news. Christianity is, I want to say, mostly transmitted through our words. I, I guess you could include writing. Obviously, our actions go along with that. But it's interesting. Actions themselves point to the gospel, but it requires words to articulate why we're do, doing the actions we're doing. What makes us these, this kind of people? Why would we persevere? Why would we reach out? Words have to come alongside and interpret. These actions are because of the death and resurrection and new life and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Something like that. So, here's some thoughts on uh, what kind of maturity is going to help us in promoting Christ's kingdom, which again, often will look like talking about Jesus in all different various ways. So here's one thing I thought of, uh, just not caring what people think and caring about Jesus' commands more. I think that's that's a way to grow up. And so 1 Peter 3.12, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Famous verse, with meekness and fear. So there's the the vibe we give off as we give this answer. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So, if we want to promote the gospel, according to this passage, we have to mature in our area of, I want to say, independence from other people's evaluations of us. It's not just that we have some arrogant, like, I don't care what anyone thinks because I'm just arrogant. It's that 
we have to have a certain independence from worrying about how other people are evaluating us. Or another way to say it, I think, if you go to Psalm 1, that classic little formulation, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, maybe a better way to say it would be, we need to know whose opinion matters. There are probably spiritual people in our life, godly friends, people who are older than us in the faith, and it's not that we live by their opinion, but we're going to wait that, an opinion of someone who fears the Lord and has a lot of experience walking with him, we're going to wait those opinions far more than the non-believer who, who is not submitted to Jesus Christ and his claims. So we're going to grow up and not really worrying about what the person who, who doesn't follow Christ thinks, and we're going to care more about the commands of Jesus. Again, just to frame it this way, I think immature humanity lives off other people's opinions. I think you could say mature humanity, to go all the way back to like the Garden of Eden, walks in the light of God's countenance. Instead of walking in the light of other people's opinions, I I, I see myself as walking in the presence of God, and so I care most about what God thinks. And the Bible, I think, really paints a picture of that as a kind of freedom from other people's opinions. So I tried to think, how do we pursue, it's, that's great to say, I want to walk in the light of God's countenance and not in the light of other people's opinions, but how do I get there? It's not really a direct, like I wish you could just flip a switch, right? Now I care more about God than people. I think if God gave us that flip the switch, mo- switch, switch the flip, most of us, <laughs> yeah, would immediately throw the switch. Uh, but he doesn't. So, so what do I do? And I'm sure there's more that could be said about this, but here's a couple thoughts. I think we can pursue maturity in this area by spending a lot of time in God's presence with God's word, seeking him for the power to live at his commands. If I spend time in God's presence with God's word, what happens is God, the reality of who God is becomes clearer and clearer to me and and the weight of who he is presses more and more on me and the constant presence, uh, or I should say his constant presence with me uh, I I become more and more aware of it. And so just God becomes more important to me because I get to know him better. So I'm seeking him, I'm praying, I have his word in front of me. And I think just spending time there will help free me from the tyranny of other people's opinions and lead me to the freedom of the fear of God and walking in light of what God thinks. I also think that actually practicing trusting God by obeying him is key. Actually getting up and living it. I'm going to go live out God's commands today, depending on his power, even if that might lead me to some difficult situations. And just like anything else, flexing the faith muscle of obedience is going to lead to me caring more about, it's going to strengthen me in this area. And then um, I also think fellowship with other mature Christians. You know, you, you get around people who care most about what God thinks it has a really great way of rubbing off on us and inspiring us. Like, I want to be like that. Look how free they are from anxiety over other people's opinions. And I think all of us want that. So you spend time with God, you spend time trusting God in obedience, and you spend time with people who are there. I think that those would be some great ways to cultivate this. And we know maturity in the Christian life is seeking to be conformed into him as his image and this quality of not caring as much about what people think was displayed in the life of Jesus in Matthew 22 verse 16 it says this is ESV they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying teacher we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully 
and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. The fact that Christ was not concerned. He was known for that. He was known for that, and that led to him teaching the way of God truthfully. They knew they could trust what he said about God because they knew. I like how it says, Josh, he wasn't swayed by appearances. I think, I'm not sure, I think that the original language is you're not a receiver of face. It was Mm -hmm. a little uh, figure of speech they had, which meant you don't, tailor your actions based on who you're talking to and i think the implication yeah. might even be whose opinions do we care most about the people that we think are coolest in the NIV, beautiful people yeah in the niv that? it says you don't play favorites there you go yeah yeah you don't pick out the people you care most about and then those you know when you're a little kid it's you know the cool kids those their opinions sway me the most but we all have those people in our life so it's not usually that i care about what everybody thinks it's that i care about what a lot of the people i most value think and anymore it's not just people in my life it's everyone on social media it's the the celebrity that posts i mean people actually get their their thoughts swayed by some person they've never met who gets called a celebrity who posts some view or you know like and so you're criticized by the whole world (laughs) that weighs on people and i think that maturity is to grow into freedom in that area yeah, I think we see another way in which maturity um, can be something we step into in promoting Christ's kingdom. Um, we can find it in Luke 12 um, in that we need to be willing to face opposition or even endure sufferings or trials or tribulations. Um, and in Luke 12, uh, verse 3 through 8, it says, Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the house stops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him, who after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. And not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, And not one of them is forgotten before God, but the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, also will confess before the angels of God. And so I see see that, and it's like, that's a hefty chunk of Scripture. And I think you can look at that and you can say how like what in the world, like fear God, step into maturity, we're more valuable than sparrows. And I I actually started to pull out these two different things that you see there. You see this element of fearing the Lord. um, And it made me think of Proverbs 14, verse 26 and 27. It says, in the fear of the Lord, there is a strong confidence. Oh, that's a cool verse. And in his children will have and his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. So just in those two verses, you look at the fear of God and you of the Lord and of God and you see you get a strong confidence, a place of refuge, a fountain of life, and it's able to turn one away from the snares of death. And then how do we take that and step into being able to endure trials and tribulations to not be worried about the one who might attack us or the oppression that we might feel. And and I look in in Romans, Romans 5 um, it says, 
in the first couple verses, it says, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. And so you, you have this level of the fact that you can have this freedom when we actually fear God properly to take on oppression, to take on suffering and tribulations, not just because those things work out patience, but they give us a hope that is assured because of Christ and the love that he's already bestowed upon us. And as believers, we've experienced that love. You know, we can testify and say that he is true and he is faithful and that through that, that gives us the strength kind of relating back to um, Proverbs, like that gives us that strong confidence that we can step into maturity so that when we look at the world and the world's like, well, well, how can you endure sufferings? How can you face um, cancer? How can you face all these difficult things that are ahead of you and still promote the kingdom? And really it comes down to having a maturity and having a right fear of God and taking, taking an investment in that not not the things of our own uh, provisions and our own self. This one might not really seem like as much of a reality yet in our culture because we still have a lot of like a lot of freedom to promote the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't think it's out of the question that the day could come where we face much more hostile opposition to being willing to promote God's kingdom. And I, so you might think like, oh, like how do I prepare myself for if that time will come? Well, like Brian, in, in the first one, you talked about spending a lot of time in God's presence. The more I detach myself from this world, the, I think the less I'll be fearful of, as it said in that Luke passage, people, people who can kill the body, take my life. The more I am growing in his presence, spending time with him and being eternally minded, if that time does come, I will be better better prepared to face it, you know? But it, it may not seem like that's much of a reality right now in our culture. We know in other places in the world it really is, but I think we still have to be growing and maturing and preparing ourselves for if that time does come. But but what do you guys think about this? That's true. But I think that it it's not too profound of a thing to say that the direction of our culture currently is headed in that way. I agree. We I all mean, know that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's that great verse in Jeremiah 12 where Jeremiah is struggling and he prays and the Lord answers Jeremiah and he says, if you've run with the footmen and they have wearied you, how will you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, how will you do in the flooding of the Jordan? Uh, he's talking about the flooding of the Jordan means if if you if it's been a nice day out and, and you haven't been able to make it, what about when the crazy flood comes? If you've gotten tired running with racing with people, what about when the horses show up? And it, he, he kind of says to Jeremiah, it actually hasn't been that rough yet. It, it's going to get rougher. And so another thing I was thinking about, Josh, to, to get better at this is, are we willing to face now the kind of opposition we face? Mm-hmm. 
Or does even whatever opposition we would face now make us shy away from promoting God's kingdom? Yeah. Even someone in your family, you know, like, oh, I don't even want to bother because I'm going to get heckled or made fun of. Like, I don't even want to talk to them about the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the day we're recording this, right now, it's not really socially polite to tell people they need to repent of their sins and be saved by Jesus because he's the only way to God. That's already, as we sit here right Mm -hmm. now, not really something you say in polite society. Mm -hmm. You can't say it in any official capacity. No business would celebrate Jesus Month, right, and put a cross up on their website. Like, As soon as you start saying it, you're like, oh, we've already come to the place where there already is some, not like we see in other countries, but enough opposition that we all know things that would require courage Mm -hmm. or can to do and so i guess i'm thinking you know if i want to learn to lift 100 pounds it's like the bible verse might say well if you can't lift 20 you're never gonna be able to lift 100 so lift 20 and maybe or 50 maybe 50 is really hard to lift Mm -hmm. but work your way up and maybe god's saying to us today okay look learn to lift 20 pounds Mm -hmm. learn learn to to promote the kingdom of christ tell people about jesus when you face this much opposition. And look, it could turn. There could be a mass revival. The cultural powers we see amassing could fall apart. There's no guarantee that it's going to get harder to preach the gospel in America. But if it does, and in five years it's a lot more difficult than it is today, we'll be really glad if we lifted the 20 pounds today so that when we have to lift 100 pounds five years from now, we've built up those muscles. It requires spiritual muscles, I think, to press against opposition. And so I think it's just that we can encourage each other to say, if, if this is where God's put us, let's do the workout plan now, because it may be that he's going to increase the weight in a few years. I think part of the maturity, like a practical way to apply that maturity might look like when you do seem to sense some opposition, not immediately trying to reframe what you're saying to like ease the tension which I think is actually kind of tempting is when you start to feel like me sharing the gospel or promoting Christ's kingdom is not going well at this moment because this person's either getting upset or they're starting to like really push back. Maybe I just need to reframe it so I can keep them engaged. Maybe part of maturity is just owning that like this conversation just might not go well. And that's not because I did it wrong or because I said something wrong. It's because they're actually rebelling against Christ and they're rebelling against his kingdom and his word and they should know that that's what's happening they don't need to hear me spinning it in a philosophical way so that they can like keep talking to me for the next hour segue into our third point here tony and maturing and proclaiming the kingdom of god i've been working on segues recently (laughs) well played so the third thing we have here is if we want to mature in declaring god's kingdom and preaching the gospel we need to have clarity in our thinking and speaking this is what kind of what you're getting at so 
a couple scripture references on this topic. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So we need to press toward this mature way of thinking of being clear in how we promote the gospel. And also, we need to fight against allowing the culture or the world to shape our thoughts and how we do that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse being in verse 6, Paul says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Let not the wisdom of this age nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I think there in our culture, in our in you know, maybe even the world, the enemy is very sly and people want to figure out all these different ways to try and maybe soften or share the good news. You know, there's a place for things like um, we were talking about before this, like sharing your testimony or sharing your story. You know, like that's a very popular term these days in Christian circles to to be creative in how we're getting the, the gospel across. Um, I'll also just reference one other story I think is helpful in talking about being clear and presenting the gospel in my, and this hit me reading through this passage last year, actually, in Mark chapter 8. In verse 27, it says, Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, others one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And Jesus it says, it says next in verse 30, Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And it never, I never really fully understood what was going on there. And it really hit me that Jesus, then he goes on to predict his death and resurrection. He rebukes Peter. And what he's doing is he's preventing them because they don't fully understand his mission yet. They were not prepared to share with the world about who Jesus was yet because they didn't know about the cross. They had and some the wrong ideas, yeah. Yeah, and they could not correctly present, clearly present who Jesus was and what his message was because they didn't know about the cross yet. And we have to be careful, like you said, Tony, before this, we can't try and figure out ways to present the good news about Jesus without the cross or without the simple truth of what he has done. No matter what the, the culture says or how they think it's you know too exclusive or whatever, we have to stay on the simple truth and be very clear about that and what it means because that is the only thing that is going to save people and save their souls. Yeah, so there's this maturity of mindset like, I need to not worry about what other people think. I need to worry more about God. There's maturity of resolution. I'm willing to face opposition. And there's maturity of thinking and clarity about what the gospel message is. You you do actually have to make sure you understand 
This isn't saying only Christian elite can share the gospel. It's just saying, let's press on to maturity so that when I'm in a conversation or when I have the, the audience of the whole lunchroom at work or whatever, I, I, am, I can concisely, mm-hmm. clearly, without leaving out key points, mm-hmm. without trying to shuck and, and you know, dive the issue or whatever, yeah. I can say, this is the message of Jesus. I actually might see that this is one area where a child might be more mature than an adult because a child would just say like Jesus died on the cross and he saved me. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. An adult would be like, well, there was a man. uh, And then you try to spin it all this way to be more palatable or more interesting. I just had that thought. I thought it was funny. Yeah. It's not just God loves you or God will forgive you. You know that you hear those kinds of things. And if you were to ask someone, what is the gospel? you know, even someone who claims to be a Christian, you probably will get a lot of that. And I think that is a false gospel that the enemy likes to try to just pervade through our culture to talk about how God is so gracious and loving. Those are aspects of who he is, but that in and of itself is not the gospel, right? And like you said, a little child might very easily speak that truth clearly, but we have to make sure, like you were saying, Brian, we have the essential parts of that. And we could, if the opportunity came, share that with people, what that really is in its essence. Yeah. I like to say to people, you should have like a 30 second gospel, a five minute gospel and a half hour gospel. You know, if if you're standing in line with someone and somehow you get a shot and you realize like, I need to tell this person, and you tell them thirty seconds. It's over. Great. If you if you're standing, you know, waiting for a, a train with someone, and you have five minutes, you give them the five minutes. But if you're like on the train with them, or you're in the car with them, and you realize like I have all the time in the world, and they're going to ask questions, and they're going to ask about nuances. Maturity would be being ready to have a half hour, an hour long conversation or a conversation with someone who lives in your dorm that stretches over two semesters where they come back three days later and say, okay, the thing you said about, you know, and that's not the same thing as knowing the answer to every question. It's just, we're just saying we can mature. First Corinthians 14, 20, don't be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes in knowing how to hurt people. Be immature. That's interesting. Harmless as doves, Jesus said but wise as serpents. But in understanding, Paul said, be mature. So there's definitely a a current of New Testament thought from the Holy Spirit that's pushing us to think in this direction. And hopefully it's not repetitive, but a practical way to grow in maturity in this area would be you have the New Testament, according to that Philippians 3, 14, reform your mind, shape your words, so you just have to read it a lot. Like, I feel like we could say for every one of these points, if you just get steeped in scripture and let that be your defining narrative, you can not care about what people think, face opposition, and be clear in what you want to think and say. And that brings up something we were talking about before we hit record, before Tom hit record, Tony, is that this is just another aspect, I think, of clarity in our thinking. If you let the New Testament reform your thoughts, like you were saying, you're going to end up talking about the things the New Testament talks about when you're promoting Jesus. That's going to be sort of the core and focus of the way you talk. Specifically, you're going to talk about, uh, maybe not specifically, but especially you're going to talk about the stories of Jesus. Telling the gospel ultimately comes down to telling the stories of Jesus, talking about what he did, and then talking about what it means for everyone. And this actually gets into another, maybe this is a side conversation, but 
it is not essentially telling my story. So you just said, if I read the New Testament, it'll shape the way I talk. You, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but you won't find Brian Weed's testimony anywhere in the New Testament. I've been looking for it. Yeah, it's not there. Um, My friend told me it was in Maccabees. Yeah, I think the I think one of like Constantine edited it out when he officially put the Gospel New Testament together. Something. Yeah. So, um, the truth is, I'm not in the Bible, and what that means is that my story is not essential to the gospel. Now, a lot of us like to preach the gospel by telling our story, but I think that clarity in our thinking maturing would lead us to realize the story of what God did in my life is great. It is a great thing to tell people, but it is an arrow that points to Jesus and who he is and his power. It's not It's not the good news. And this is especially important in our culture. We were talking about this because everyone's story is like this sort of sacrosanct, uncriticizable thing that they have. And so it feels very safe to just sort of tell your story. And don't get me wrong, God can use that because the Holy Spirit can come and say, I can do in your life exactly what I did in his life or in her life. And that's really good. But it's still at some point there needs to be the transition to them saying, wait, who is Jesus? Because who Jesus is is the important thing for them. Not simply what he did for me, but who he is and therefore what he demands to be for them and what he will do for them. And so at some point, someone needs to say to them or someone needs to hand them a gospel of John or something and they need to hear or read, Jesus is the son of God. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose again from the dead. His death was in your place. If you believe on him, you'll be saved. He's coming back again. Something like that. And so... I think maturing is coming to the place where even my story takes a backseat to the story of Jesus. I love the passage where Paul says, we don't preach ourselves, we preach Christ and him crucified. Our entire Again, we keep saying it, but it's so important. Maturing is going to be separating our mind from the way our culture thinks. Our entire culture preaches growing up by becoming comfortable in your own skin and promoting your own story. You have reached full humanity when you trumpet your story and people listen to you. That's like sort of the essence of like being significant, right? I tell my story and my story matters. But that's almost the opposite of what it means to mature as a Christian. Maturing as a Christian is I promote Christ, he matters, and everyone finds salvation in him, right? So there is, I think there is a sort of growing out of the mindset around us and up into my, I'm sure I talk about all the great things Jesus has done for me as a way to talk about how great Jesus is and then tell people that he will be that great for them too because this is who he is or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have that 30 second, five minute and 30 minute version of how you're going to share the gospel, maybe that 30 minute one includes part of some of the things the Lord's done in your life. Oh, totally. But all of them include the true gospel there you go. and that 30 minute one you're just you're you're working there too and maybe your story plays into that but at every point you're working toward the gospel yep i actually had an experience like this recently i was on a plane and i'm landing uh at our destination and the whole flight there was a woman next to me reading a book about the human conscience oh, and nice. i kind of kept that in my back pocket we didn't really speak much because they had, you know, masks on a plane and everything. It's not that inviting. And uh, I was working on a young adult's Bible study, so I had my Bible and my notebook out. And I noticed that she noticed. That's what I was reading. But yes. she didn't say anything. So we're landing, and she leans over and goes, I just think it's so funny that we're both reading, like, spiritual literature. And, you know, immediately I was like... No, we're not. We're, <laughs> we're, we maybe have, like... 
10 minutes because yeah, i mean go. we're like descending and she happens to just bring this up now and one thing that it impressed me by the time we hit the ground was this might be different for everybody but i felt like the spirit gave me verses to answer specifically things she was framing so she's talking about mind soul body the things that are rooted deep in you that express themselves as something else i mean it's just like the easiest softball for that's human sin that's and all these verses about god's all that stuff came to my mind and i was able to actually share the gospel in under 10 minutes without saying like well jesus died bo i was able to answer all of her questions in under 10 minutes Mm -hmm. by incorporating sin jesus cross resurrection and it's not like I was sitting there the whole flight like, here's how I'm going to talk about the human conscience because yeah, that's right. the book. It just came to me. But it came to me because I read the Bible and I actually knew what those verses were. I could imagine if I didn't have myself steeped in scripture that I would have totally blanked when she's talking about like, why are there these things coming out of me in my marriage that through therapy I'm finding out are so much deeper than just being angry. It's like I knew what to do and where to go. And so it was like one of those instances where I could have had two and a half hours because we had a whole flight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wound up getting under 10 minutes and it was something that I thought was cool that I let her set the tone of the conversation. And as soon as she set it up, I basically just spiked it. So it was, that's, that's another way to think about promoting his kingdom is just letting people sort of express to you where they're coming from and trusting that, if I'm immersed in scripture, the spirit is actually going to tell me what to say. Like he's actually going to give me an answer. I was not scared for one minute yep. when she started saying stuff like, what am I going to say? I was just like, well, the Lord will give me something. I don't know. You know. Yeah. It's really cool. The Holy spirit loves that person. Yeah. And he's there with the two of you and he, and to the Christian, he's like, say this. Yes. <laughs> Yo, say Ephesians four fourteen. go. Yes. Right? Like he, he's, he's calling up phrases and he's like, give her that. Especially if you're a person, like you said, who's st- steeped your mind in scripture you have stocked your mind with his words for him to use whenever he wants and then the spirit's there and he's like that verse right now go and you and you say it and you don't know if the holy spirit sees that person's heart yeah he's speaking, i don't absolutely he knows the thing that's gonna go deepest into her and go and she's gonna go oh like and it's god talking to her Fourth point in maturing and promoting Christ's kingdom, we have to have love in our tone and love in our actions. I'm going to read it again, even though we've read it several times this season. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but instead speaking the truth in love. We may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. As I was reading this before we started, I thought to myself, 
I wonder if somebody who's easily tossed to and fro is just generally not a loving person. Somebody who's hmm. always snapping to the newest cultural cause. Steady. Yeah, like are they more unstable because they think that all their eggs should go in this basket? Well, then in 2020, all their eggs need to go in this basket. And now that we've had a new election, all their eggs needs to go in this basket. And in all that, you might be very wise about current cultural beats of what's happening but maybe you're actually just not loving interesting just had that thought so maybe being mature in promoting christ's kingdom means that we need to speak the truth in love um maturity it's to be like god and god is love can we be mature without love is the real question and one question we threw down is is love the mark of maturity we were saying before we're not necessarily sure we're ready to just make that statement but we are ready to ask that question we're ready to ask it is love the mark of maturity i've heard people uh talk about being a disciple of jesus as literally the point is you're growing up into a person of love i suppose that could be true it's hard to argue with it's hard to argue with how what is easy to argue with is what you might mean when you hear me say the word love if growing into a person of love means I grow into a person of universal acceptance, well, then that's clearly not the point of being. Yeah, that's why of Jesus. it talks about being conformed into the image of Christ. Yes, and yet Christ is God, and God is love. And I think if you take an honest survey of the Gospels and study Jesus, his actions, his words, you will not come away with a picture of God that is just all accepting. You'll come away with a guy that said, I showed up to bring a sword, not create unity. People will turn against people. That's literally my business. And yet, going and reaching out to the woman at the well who's all alone, who's been in all kinds of really harmful sexual relationships, and meeting her at that level, there has to be some kind of balance between I'm fully expressing the compassion of God without compromising the holiness of God. Yeah, one way to think of it might be um, if I could distill love down to its ultimate essence and I had, you know, a bottle of real true love. Like, this is love. It is actually the thing. Sell that. And then I brought love to our messed up world. Think about all the pain and difficulty and darkness and oppression in our world. And if I dropped that bottle of love into our world, what would it look like? And the Bible's answer is, it would look like Jesus. Yeah. It would look like Jesus's life. And so when you see, when you see Jesus as, a, as experiencing the full range of human emotion, or another way to say it is, it would look like what God has done in the world since Adam sinned. Mm-hmm. So, that, so now you have the Old Testament and all of God's actions in the Old Testament. In human form, it looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus healing the sick. It looks like Jesus speaking truth to power. It looks like Jesus on the cross. And it looks like Jesus on the white horse coming back to eradicate evil from the world at the head of armies. It, what does love look like? It looks like what God has done in the world, culminating in the work of Jesus Christ. So maturity will make us people of that kind of love. And we will be that kind of love promoting that message of love. And yes, it's a real world. It's a complicated world. And sometimes love looks from the perspective of a broken, fallen world, very messy. And so all the things you said are true, Tony. Jesus did those things. He said those things. 
Why? Because that's how love acts mm-hmm. when it's confronted with all kinds of crazy evil. Yeah, I suppose depending upon what or whom he came in contact with determined how that love was going to be expressed. He didn't walk up to the woman at the well and light her up. He knew her and he called out her sin, but he didn't talk to her the way that he talked to a Pharisee, but he loved them both. So there has to be some way to measure out. There was never a situation where he was just off or where he was like, I'm actually that mad at religious people that I love the poor and the needy and I hate institutions and religion. People say that about Jesus. It's not true. He sent people who he cleansed back to the temple to do the priestly uh, ritual so that the priests would know he was God. So there, there, there was always a reaching out on both sides, which is a balanced view of love. And the Ephesians passage doesn't say um, speaking whatever you want so that you can be loving and not offend people. Speaking the truth in love. It's still saying what's true, but not saying it in a way that's incredibly sharp and off-putting. And then First John 3, 18, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The idea is not only in word, but also in deed. Don't let our love simply be a love of words or words spoken in a loving way, but also uh, love in deed and truth. So love in our tone, love in our actions will help us mature in our ability to promote Christ's kingdom because we could do all the other things we talked about, but Paul said, if I don't have love, I'm a, I'm a noisy gong. And I could be making a lot of noise, but somehow... Love takes noise and turns it into, you know, meaningful, helpful uh, communication. Uh, Speaking of John, one of the stories my dad loves to tell, according to church tradition, is that John lived to be to an old age, we know. And uh, when he was so old, he could, you know, he couldn't preach a full sermon. He couldn't get around. But the way the story goes is they would carry him into a body of believers and all he would be able to get out would be little children love one another. And that yeah. would that would, that be, would his be his sermon, sermon to them. And he remembered, you know, Christ's words in John thirteen thirty five. by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, to, to live that out and how that must have impacted him hearing those words, but also seeing Jesus live it out and then him and us being commissioned also to live it out and have that heart of Christ to love each other and in the body of Christ, but also display that love um, toward those who are outside to invite them in. Sometimes people seek to mature in the area of promoting God's kingdom by studying apologetics and by getting to the place where they can they want try to answer any question they're going to run into. And I do think that kind of thing falls into our third point, clarity in our thinking and speaking. And being able to give an answer, it's loving to our culture to be able to answer the questions they're asking. But we all know that most of us have the tendency that the further we go down that particular road, we can become like really good at winning debates or something like that. But that's not that's not, that would not be maturity, right? To get good at slashing people with every answer would not be maturing in our ability to promote Christ's kingdom. That's where you come back and you go, God calls us to sort of a love-permeated uh, word and deed. I wonder if... Part of being able to express the truth in love comes from a place where I don't necessarily think I need to defend 
God's kingdom to the point where if I don't do it, it will fall. Oh, yeah, it's not going to yeah. fall. That's a great point. Like, I don't mean apologetics. Like, I'm not trying to knock on people that study and, like, I'm going to go defend the faith. But I think that we can get caught up in a mindset of, like, if I don't know how to answer every question, if I don't study on how to slash atheists, like, the whole, all of America will be overrun by pagans. And that's just the worst. But if you can just love people and care less about what happens. That goes back to what, point one or something, right? Yeah, not caring about what people think. Then maybe you're actually in a more mature place than somebody who could debate for five hours because you're just at peace and you're like, I love you. And if you don't want to receive that love and you want to reject this message, I'm just going to pray that at some point in your life the spirit breaks through and you remember this and you accept that one day. But I'm not going to sit over here and argue with you until I'm blue. Part of maturity in general is knowing what actions are appropriate for what situation, what yeah. words are appropriate for what situation, what tone is appropriate. You know, little kids don't know how to act at a wedding because they don't understand where they are. Yeah. And so love matures our knowledge so that even if you could win a four-hour debate, you will just know because you've matured and because you've matured in love if it's worth going longer than 10 minutes with this person. Not because the person's not worth it. You just might instantly go, this isn't going to be profitable. They want to get into this with me. And maybe I could go there for a little while with them and answer some of these questions. But it's not going to do anything to get them to the place where they see how awesome Jesus is. Or it's not going to get them to the place where they see their need for his cross. It's just going to be a big debate. Yeah. And actually, they're just going to get more worked up, and I'm going to get more worked up. And so love tempers and and tempers your knowledge and becomes your guide in when and how to use it in a way that serves Jesus's purposes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Speaking of love, we all, before we exit this episode today, would like to take a moment to acknowledge this is a momentous occasion because it's the end of our third season, but it's also Tony's last episode with us here today. And we all love him very much. And he is getting ready to go out and spread that message of love to another community. Um, and we're going to miss him very dearly. And Tom's going to come up with a whole, not really, <laughs> a whole compilation of Tony's best moments. But <laughs> we uh, we love you, man. You've made this thing happen. Thank it's you, been Tony. a joy taking this podcast journey with you. And we'll, we'll have you back on, no question. <laughs> you can count on that. Conference call. Uh-huh. Conference we call. we actually um talked about before we started recording having a five minute segment of every episode, what is Tony doing? Where <laughs> where they just call me at any random moment and say, What are you doing right now? And I have to talk about it for five minutes wherever I am and having that be a part of random episodes. Just betray our so loss. Be on the lookout yeah. for that in season four. Yeah. What be on the lookout for what is Tony doing? One one time you might call me and I'll be like, I'm currently fighting an alligator. Because we're going to be moving to Florida. <laughs> so I might do a little gator wrestling, you know, if it's a safe situation. Don't so do that. I yeah. won't. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not going to do that. And you won't be able to be on the podcast anymore. No, I won't be able to be a guest or anything like that. <laughs> I'll, I'll just be nothing. You'll have to, it'll be bad. I won't, I won't wrestle any alligators. I've loved it. I love the podcast. I love Philly Young Adults. I love creating content. I've had a great time doing this with you guys. It wouldn't have been the same without you i've heard people do podcasts alone and they're not good so this <laughs> this really <laughs> young adults monologues monologues yeah unless they really have something to say or they're reading a book then it's awesome but this has been such a joy for me so look out for 
nothing like this for me in the future because it's sacred in my mind and I will not recreate it. I, refu- I refuse. Yeah. So we've also loved your intro to the podcast, so we might have to record uh, you continuing to do the intro. Welcome back. In, <laughs> welcome in back. a very natural way. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> we don't know if anyone can take the reins from you on that one. Yeah. I, it's got, part's going to be hard. Yeah. We're going to give that spot to... Do the cold opens in the middle of conversations all the time. <laughs> oh, there we go. I yeah. like that. We've already like five minutes yeah. into we're it. We're not even going to try. <laughs> no. no, we're just going to... You just start talking. Really different. You just start talking, going Well, forward. you should probably sign off since it's your last uh, episode. Yeah, bring it <laughs> on. So, so, no. <laughs> so, I hope this was a blessing to you the way that the last three seasons have been a major blessing to me and in my life. I can say that I've personally been formed by our conversations, our prep work, the topics that Brian and the rest of us have come up with at random times. You know, it might seem like we're all experts at this kind of thing because we're the ones with the microphones and uh, the really cool beats. But the truth is we're all figuring out just like the rest of you, you know, who are listening. And it's been really edifying for me to be able to kick these things around with my friends and my brothers and the Lord. And it's helped me be uh, a better man, better husband, better father, better Jesus follower. And that's always been our heart and our desire for the whole podcast is not that you have your mind stimulated by things that we say, but that you feel impressed on by the spirit to really seek the change that we're sort of commending to you in all these different ways and allow it to be a purifying piece of content in your life the spirit can use to help you grow so i've definitely experienced that i hope you experience that and uh for now see you later see you on season four peace Peace.